Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform and Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Welcome to Sleepy Perform Repeat, episode number 36. Today we spoke to Kevin Maggs, former professional Irish rugby player, capped 70 times, a Barbarians representative and now the current IQ Rugby Regional Talent ID Officer at the IRFU. Kevin shares insights into his experiences in professional rugby, his initiation with Bristol Rugby and his current role with IQ Rugby. We discuss identifying talent in youth rugby and whether talent is innate or can be trained. Kevin sheds light on the characteristics of great leaders, having played with so many over his career on the pitch. It is fascinating to hear Kevin open up about his transition from player to coach and the challenges, mindset and habits of elite high-performing rugby players. The key theme embedded throughout this episode is on the importance of hard graft, but also with that the enjoyment of your chosen craft, if you're lucky to be there. The plan for this episode was to release it during the Rugby World Cup in Japan, but we decided to keep it till after the completion to see how accurate our predictions were. Listen out for that and the future of the sport, according to Kevin. If you'd like more info on this episode or any of our others, check out our website on www.cpperformrepeat.com. Please subscribe, share, rate and review, but most importantly, listen and enjoy. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. We're joined on the line with Kevin Maggs, and I'll pass you over to David. He'll give you an introduction to this great guy. So Kevin Maggs is a former Irish Rugby Union centre, very distinguished career, played with Bristol, Bath, played Rotherham, played at Moseley, 70 caps for Ireland, internationally played in two World Cups, 1999-2003, was capped six times by the Babas, was um, a really strong uh, crash ball centre, I, I remember you Maggsy playing back in the day, I remember going, geez, that was a tough guy now, ball in hand and and tackling people. We're really looking forward to hearing about your career as a player, but also now in your role as an IQ Rugby Regional Talent ID Officer with the Irish Rugby Football Union, but also tapping into what it must be like making that transition from player to coach. So, Kevin, welcome and thanks very much for coming on today. How's life at your end? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Good. And tell us tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days and um, what's going on for the next kind of two to three months, maybe leading up to the Rugby World Cup? Yeah, well, we're currently, uh, as you've mentioned, uh, I work for IQ Rugby, which is um, Irish qualified. We're looking for Irish qualified players that are living in, uh, playing rugby in the UK um, and trying to identify them, monitor them, mentor them as well to a certain extent and try and get them into the Ireland age grade pathway so trying to, to get guys into the under 18s under 19s and hopefully play in the junior world cup for the under 20s and and how many are kind of part of that iq sort of setup obviously yourself but who else is part of that team that goes there and tries to really catch that talent to filter in then to ultimately the 20s and onwards yeah so uh there's 
there's Joe Lydon, who's the, the head of IQ, so he's um, sort of head, he's global and sort of worldwide talent ID and and obviously managing us as a as a team underneath that. Um, so there's currently um, three of us. We've just uh, one of the team is is currently gone back now into to work for the IRFU in in Dublin, um, which is Wayne Mitchell used to work for Leinster and stuff as well. So he's gone back now into working over there in the age grade system as well. And uh, so we've just got a new guy now called Steve McGuinness who's just joined us there recently to take over from the Midlands in the North. And he previously done uh, sort of the ex- Irish Exiles uh, coordinate or lead uh, coach over in the UK. So, uh, so he's come on board. We're currently at the stage now where we would have screened sort of well over 350 lads from you know right from the top to the bottom of the UK, um, and we've narrowed them down to 26, which we will take them across now on August the 14th across to Limerick and uh, we'll play then in the in the uh, schools festival so um, you know so it's exciting times for those lads it's a great opportunity for them and and you know hopefully some of those players will will come through and will be identified by the talent coaches and the age grade coaches uh, for the IRFU and Hopefully, you know, we'll get a few of our lads into the Ireland under-18s come October, November. And talk to us a little bit about that filtering process. So if you've, you've seen 300-odd players, how do, you, how do you boil that down to ultimately getting to 26 that are going to my hometown in a couple of weeks' time? How do, how do you come to that sort of stage process to say, these are the guys that we need to see if we can bring to the next level? We start off by sort of getting the players to sort of register online. Um, so any player that is Irish qualified in the UK can can register online at iqrugby.com or iqrugby.ie and they can register. Then once they register, then um, you know we'll respond with an email and they'll be invited to uh, you know the regional day within you know, where they live or this accessible to them. It might be a short drive or a couple of hours drive for some people. And um, then what we'll do then we'll, we'll look, we'll, we'll look to sort of screen those players on the day, you know, we'll get them to have fun as well. And in, in the meantime, but also we look to screen those players for their individual core skills. So, you know, their catch pass, their decision-making, you know, their contact skills, you know, their tackling, you know, their game understanding, all that, all those sorts of things. And um, and then, you know, if they come through that, then we'll we'll pick them and we'll invite them to, to other days well, where we'll try and get some some learning and some development aspects in there for them as well and, and how they can improve those skills. And and then we'll, in the meantime, we'll we'll go and watch them in their own environments, playing for their club, for their school, for maybe an academy, and um, to see whether we feel that they've got enough, they've got enough talent basically to go to that next level to come and play against the best under eighteen players in Ireland, and see can we get them in a green jersey? And ultimately, that's that's the that's the, the ultimate aim for for us is. Uh, talent ID officers or coaches and um, uh, it's the ultimate opportunity for those players. 
I have a, I have a question, and then we're going to go over to Kiran. Just, I want your opinion. Do you think can talent be trained? This is something we've asked players. So we've had Keith Earls on here recently, and he would have said, like, he, you know, speed is one that is maybe hard to train. You're kind of born quick. You're born fast. But in your opinion, yeah. if you see guys that you know, at a young age and, yeah, you know, we can really hone in on these skills. What's your opinion on that whole talent acquisition, talent trainability sort of philosophy? A lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of research out there, you know, about, you know, say, doing so many different sports and, you know, if you're, if you, if you get an idea of, you know, uh, playing lots of different sports and then you can be the master of a different one. I mean, the more I look into to talent ID and, and the different approaches from it, a lot of different people just have the ultimate goal uh, in mind. So somebody like you know GB Skeleton, for argument's sake, they their screening process is literally aligned to what is the world's best start time. And if you're nowhere near that, then you're gone. Yeah. yeah. So it's it, it is it is uncompromising. But I think with rugby in in general, I think you know the broader the base you start from. Um, in terms of the amount of players that you've got, you never, you just don't know because you're trying to predict the future at the end of the day. And, you know, no no pathway is, is straightforward. Everyone's everyone's path sends them up, backwards and forwards, sideways, all over the place, round in circles. And, you know, even mine is, is one that, you know, I never really played rugby from, from sort of 11 to sort of 16, 17. And mm. it was only really when I went to college that I, I ended up sitting next to a guy who was like six foot three and was the Bristol Colts fullback, which back then was pretty much like the, the Premiership Academies is now. Okay. And if I wouldn't have sat next to him that day, I would never have got friendly with him. I would have never have ended up playing rugby for the college. And then his dad was like, why didn't you come and play for Imperial Rugby Club on Sunday? And I was like, nah, I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't really fancy it. And like, you know, anyway, I've, I've no interest getting up on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it's like at nine o'clock because I won't be getting into like three or four. And, and, and that was, that was what it was like for me then. And, you know, and then in the end I ended up giving in and I said, oh, okay, yeah, fine. I'll, I'll come. And and then it just went from there. It was all a bit mad, really, to be honest. So we've, we've come across this point a lot with early sports specialization or kind of a range and generalization of sports. And, I mean, we heard from Ty Byrne recently that there's a guy who actually didn't start playing rugby until a similar age to you, and he played ga and he played soccer, and, and ultimately it's probably helped yeah. him later on in his career because he, you know... He, he tried some other things and improved his athletic ability, trying other things. And it's always an interesting debate that it's kind of ongoing in yeah, the field of sport, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I've just, I've just finished my, um, my level four, like UKCC uh, coaching accreditation over in England. And, um, you know, my long-term assignment was, was based around talent ID and, uh, a lot of it was, um, you know, looking at how other sports do their talent ID and how, you know, how is that transferable across to rugby and how can I apply that into my everyday working life? And, you know, the, and then I reflected on, 
that made me reflect on my journey and and how you know how did I end up getting where I, I've got to? Is it coincidence or is there some sort of theory behind it that could be uh, sort of put out there to everybody else? And the more I look at it, I mean, my my school back then, I mean, it's it's no longer. It's no longer there at the moment. They sold the the schools been closed down, and they sold it for housing development. Um, you know, but back then, and I was able to be at school every night because you know they ran evening activities, and I, I was up there playing sport every night. You know, I love sport. I love I love participating in sport, and you know, on Mondays I did I played basketball, on Tuesdays I went to Bam, and Wednesday we played five side football. You know, Thursday we did I did canoeing and stuff. You know, all, all stuff like that was accessible to me back then, yeah. which is you know, unfortunately, it's not for a lot of people now. It's not a lot for a lot of kids now. That's that's just not accessible for them to to play that amount of sport. I mean, even a lot of kids in school over here, you know, they they don't really get adequate PE lessons. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's true. And whereas I was lucky that I had that. And I had those facilities at my school, which enabled me to play all those other sports. And and hopefully, I think that that has, you know, the more I look into it, that is that has certainly helped shape me in in my sort of, you know, being able to play rugby and and have all those different qualities that that you need to be able to play the game. You know, it does seem to be a theme that we're we're coming up keeps coming up that early specialization isn't necessarily the best and long-term athlete development seems to be much more improved with um, diversification of sports. We, me and David have certainly heard that from a few different coaches and things. Um, I'd like to just stay on the IQ rugby for a minute, Kevin. Um, yeah. Just in terms of them days where a player is registered and things and they're coming out for a trial day, I know that you said recently or previously in an article about Brian O'Driscoll when he first came into the training yeah. camp that you noticed one of the things that he seemed to have a lot of time on the ball and he seemed to create that. Is there any traits or any sort of identifiers that you see with players now that maybe one on the pitch and one off the pitch that you can say, oh, well, maybe this guy's got something? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah I mean, I, you know, you, you, you look for certain things. I mean, I, I like, you know, I look for obviously athleticism and, um, you know, work rate and just, just a general attitude. You can, you know, I, I think you can you can sort of sense about some players above others that they've just got a, a different demeanour about them, and you know, it's very much you, you can you can see those sorts of things, and, and and individuals I think really stand out, and I think you know, the more I look back into to, to my my career and and people that have come into teams, and you know, they've they've almost brought a, a new sort of optimism and and a new sort of standard and a, and a new belief that, that you it wasn't there necessarily before you know yeah um, so like you know like when Brian came in in sort of 99 and then it would have been sort of Stringer O'Gara uh, O'Connell you know um, O'Callaghan people like that, that you know Hayes that come in in those sort of early 2000s you know, that really sort of drove the standards of what we were doing in training. There was a sort of new sort of optimism amongst the squad because, 
you know, they, they were great lads as well. So we had a great crack off the field too. And, but also they drove the standards on it and, you know, they were, they were great to be involved with and, and to, to share those experiences. And, um, you know, I definitely feel that there is, you know, down to the individual as well. But I think for me, when I, when I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at, um, you know what sort of what gives them a point of difference above other players yeah so is it you know they're a great leader or is it you know does he communicate really well and is he get is he organized does he does he understand at that age to to organize the defense and 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 all of that so you you can pick certain things up from individuals but also it might be that it might be that they are you know they're they're the quickest lad and that that gives them their point of difference, but for me, it's just you know a lot of it is athleticism and and they're just a general demeanour and attitude. Yeah. So there's a, sort of a variance between mindset, psychology, psychological aspects, and also physical. Um, I just like to touch on one of the words you mentioned, leader. And I know that during the, your time under Gatland, you had mentioned that it was um very player driven team. So what sort of attributes do you think a good leader has so for if a young guy going into one of these camps that they could work on what sort of attributes do you think good leaders possess and show on a daily basis yeah i, I mean uh, i just feel that you know the, they, they have to they have to sort of give that um they have to command that sort of authority uh, and be the you know they have to lead by example and and um you know, but they have to be able to do it calmly as well because I could never do that myself. I was very much all, um, you know, all, all blood and thunder, you know. And, um, you know, the people that, you know, the, the Simon Easterbees, the Anthony Foley's, the Brian Driscoll's, the Keith Woods and, and that, you know, they, they, were, they were all brilliant at that. And, um, you know, so just, just, just to have that calmness, but also just to... To lead by example, and I, I just think you know to show those qualities both on and off the field. I think is a is a real asset for anybody. And yeah. um, you know, I'm still trying to work on mine now. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I'd like to go a little bit back there to the the kind of talent acqui- you know acquisition or kind of talent ID model again. And I work a little bit in yeah. basketball, and I've been around a lot of say NBA draft prospects this summer. So. Yeah. I was just in Vegas there a couple of weeks ago and guys are in a position there where they're on the cusp of making it into the NBA if they make a good impression. So they're, yeah. they're brought into a workout and then they're having to, to go into a game and be, they have to show that they can play in a team, but they need to obviously stand out individually. Otherwise, coaches might notice them and they'll get passed by it's very hard probably for a, a young player who's maybe trying to make an impression in Limerick for you and he, he wants to show yeah. he's a team player and he's he embodies that whole teamwork ethic, but he needs to make an impression. Yeah. He mightn't he might be an inside centre and outside centre and he mightn't pass the ball to the wing because he wants to show he has a step himself. Like what's your impression or opinion on that? Yeah, I mean it is I mean it is it is difficult, um, you know, but we try to get that across the bit. Look, it's not it's about doing the right thing as well. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if if it's the right decision for you, and if somebody is in is in space, then just just give it. Um, 
I mean, I was never known for sort of passing it to the wings anyway, but, um, you know, certainly, you know, the players from that, we, we would have we would have watched them in their own environments as well. So so we know we know the players and what they're capable of going in. Um, but yeah, it's the it's it's getting everybody and the, the talent coaches from you know certainly the the age grade coaches to 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 see that as well within them. Um, so we do it. We give them all an equal opportunity. So everybody will come. They'll you know they'll play in three games. Everybody will start, and everybody will get an, a sort of equal share of, of sort of game time. So. Mm-hmm. We, we, we do give them a, a massive opportunity, but we, but we also say, well, you know, it's not about the individual, it's about the team. And we, you know, because we're, we're going to be up against it in terms of our preparation time, where it is the provincial teams will have sort of six or seven weeks to prepare. Whereas, you know, we've only sort of seen the guys for sort of, a, a you know, the odd day or here or there on a, on a development camp, which we had for a day and a half. And then we'll get a day and a half then leading time to our first game. So it's very difficult from that. So we just want the players to go out, be physical, be direct, be uncompromising, but also, you know, express themselves. So, you know, we don't want to restrict the, to, to what they what they can do. And we don't want to sort of make them robots. We just want them to go out and express themselves. And, and if, you know, if that's the way they can do it and individuals do it, then great. That's, that's excellent. Let's talk a little bit now and come away from the ID for a minute. You've obviously managed to play as a player, but also as a coach. And sometimes we've seen players that didn't quite make it at a coach. And you've you've worked under Warren Gatland, who's obviously gone on and done a lot of things with Wales and with the British and Irish Lions. He's going ahead with the Lions again. You've obviously experienced Eddie O'Sullivan. And that's not even to mention your club club career and the coaches you've probably had with Ulster and Bristol and so forth. For you, what what makes a good coach, or what were the skills that you were honing in on when you made that transition from player to coach? Um, well, I think is you know they they're they're all different in in different ways, um, but in in fairness, a lot of it is down to you know they believe in in their philosophy of how the game should be played, and you know the, the majority of them. Were, were true to that and um, you know they felt the game should be played in a certain way and they tried to instill those qualities in us uh, be it you know um, very structured or unstructured to a certain extent and, and have sort of player player led discussions of how we wanted to play and what we would do in certain situations and, and be very player led um, whereas some you know would be sort of really directive and very very uh tell and this is how i want it done this is where you have to be in that phase this is where you need to be in the next phase and you know i think there is a there is a need for it most certainly and it's just trying to get that balance right and um you know that's what i've tried to do whenever i've coached is just be sort of true to how I how I feel the game should be played and and stick to my philosophy around around that um, and then you know as far as I'm concerned then you, you've got a you've got to have the passion and the the belief then to drive it um, yeah. 
and and also to get the players to buy into it so that because obviously without them uh then uh you, you've got nothing yeah i think that's a big point in getting the, pl- the players buy in and getting that sort of communal goal of uh what you want to do but also maintain the philosophy of the coach and i think that's a great point um i'd like to go on to your career as a player um so for the listeners in maybe in the us and stuff that don't know about kevin kevin was a very direct runner and known for his low and powerful running style really and eking out them few yards at the line against probably the toughest defenses um in terms of that was on the pitch and they were sort of your attributes that you brought what did you think made you successful off the pitch so was it any certain habits that you maintained? Was it gym work? Was it anything got to do with mindset that was able to get you into a position where you played seventy times for Ireland? Um, well, I was always I was always very driven and um, into you know, and I was you know competitive in 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 most things. I mean, I was the sort of youngest of you know, my uh, my siblings. Um, I've got an older brother, he's six years older and my sister's four years older, so um, I'd like to I'd like to think that I'd have to I'd have to fight for everything that, that I, I got in my household and um, and I'm sure they'd say the same but I, I just think it's also it's down to, it's down to your background and your, your upbringing that I sort of makes you like I was I was always adamant as a as a a youngster that I wanted to, I wanted to be a professional sportsman. What that was in, I had no idea. But that's why I think I tried everything that was out there. Um, you know, I did martial arts. I did all, all sorts of things um, throughout my time at school, and I tried every sport that I could get access to or that was available to me. And um, I just think it, yeah, it's just it's it's just ended up going in into the rugby but um you know i was very driven and you know i i, I love the combat side of, of things and um you know my sort of mindset was very much well you know i'm coming you have to stop me whatever whatever happens and you know and i i kind of felt i was almost invincible when i played because i just felt well that's my attitude and if someone else has got to stop me so you know, that's that I just believed that I was I could go through anybody and and go round anybody and, and go through anybody and uh, and just back myself one hundred percent. Really, it would be nice if we could bottle that. You'd make a lot of money selling it to youngsters <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> yeah, it would. I, yeah, it would. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I. You know, the, the more I look back on it, I mean, I've had some. You know, and I wouldn't change a. I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I've had some. Excellent. Amazing experiences, met, made some lifelong friends. But you know, looking back, I probably, I probably didn't enjoy it in the moment as much as I probably should have, hmm. um, because you know, very much, you know, the pressure that you're under in the, during the week of a, a of a test. You know, you obviously everyone wants to do well, but you know, you can be quite cranky and under pressure and. And uh, so, yeah, I probably didn't come out in, in terms of with other lads uh, on that side of things. But, you know, I'd like to think that they, they kind of felt that, you know, I gave 100% and, uh, and, you know, I was uncompromising on the field. And, uh, you know, and I, I'd like to think that they enjoyed playing with me or, you know, not enjoyed playing against me. So um, hmm. if, if I can get some people that 
could say that about me then fantastic i've i've achieved what i wanted you know brilliant there you go kevin um what we'd like to do now is ask you five little quick fire questions as we're coming to the end we just want to get your opinion on your career and a couple of other little points okay yeah so firstly um the irfu and the irb emailed us this morning i don't know if you were copied in were you They've 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 changed the rules of rugby for Japan. So instead of fifteen aside, it's it's only three players on on each team, and you're the coach. So they said Magsy's going to be coach, and he needs to pick a back, a forward, and he can either have a scrum half or a fly half. So you're going to ask him when he comes on the phone who's he picking in his team of three to fly to Japan, and you've played with them. So who are the three that make your team, Kevin? That's a that's a tough question. There's so many. You've played with a lot of good uh, players, so we have to ask you. Yeah, so I would say oh, forward Paul O'Connell. Nice oh, one. Go on, one. Rick. Paul O'Connell one. Uh, I would say we're talking Ireland players now. I take it, yeah. No, it, players you've played with. Oh, I would say you played with the Barbarians one. as well. One hundred percent, it would be Joan Belomo. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. One hundred percent, and I would say uh, Juice Van der Vestazen as well. What a strong Springbok super would, player. Yeah, they would be my my three players. Um, I just think uh, you know they're sort of game changers in in the way the games uh, evolved over the, the last sort of twenty years and. Um, you know, for me uh, to be able to sort of play against uh, those lads and play with them for uh, the Barbarians was just, you know, just the, the ultimate goal for me. And, um, you know, to to play outside centre uh, for the Barbarians against Jonah Loma, <laughs> Jonah Loma, who was um, on the left wing um, against the full Scotland team and he scored an attribute in in eight minutes and all oh. three of them were assisted by me which was unreal it was the quickest I think I've ever passed to a winger in my life <laughs> yeah. it was like Jesus look at the size of him best of luck lads better give him and, the ball uh, like he scored an attrick in eight minutes and I was just I was in awe of him to be fair for the, the two weeks that we were together um, you know touring around uh the country playing Scotland, Wales, and and England, um, you know, he's just phenomenal, and uh, he was certainly the the game changer for the the modern game the way it is now, and uh, you know, in terms of size, the power, and the speed of the the game as well. And for me, he was just uh, the the ultimate player. Very good. Perfect. And me and David are sitting here, we're talking to a very experienced guy who's been around some great people and involved in some great events himself. Give us a life lesson over what you've learned across your career, something we can take away from this podcast. Uh, I think always work hard, um, but enjoy it. Enjoy your time away from it as well. You need to get away from it. And I think that that downtime makes you appreciate even more. Um, I think I'm 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 one of the lucky ones, really, that I I started in the sort of very much in the amateur era where I was a young fella coming into into the team at sort of twenty twenty one, um, coming into the the Courage League as it was then before the game went professional in ninety six, and 
you know, then it was a, you know, I, I'd do a manual job every day. And, you know, I'd even work till 12 o'clock on a Saturday and then I'd play in the league game at, at three o'clock in the afternoon because um, my boss was, was Irish and he'd let me, hmm. he'd let me have, he'd let me have the afternoon off uh, <laughs> to play rugby. You know, and the, the more I think about it now, you know, the, those special times that I've had, you know, when you're working, it's, it's that release to, you know, your outlet for the week to enjoy yourself and be with your mates and, um, you know, and play the game that you love. And then when you when you when you're doing it for for a living as well, you need to have that time and get away from it because it makes you reflect and and appreciate what you've got a hell of a lot more. And also just to give your mind a complete break from it. I mean, I, I love I used to love going, you know, uh, I, I love going fishing now still. And I, I, I go fishing to get away, to get out in the country and, and be, you know, miles from anywhere. And I, I, you know, to be outside and in the countryside and sleep overnight in my tent and all of that. I love that just to get away from and have that mental release from it as well. Yeah. But yeah, just just to enjoy it and to you know to always work hard and and give everything a hundred percent really. And that's that's all I've tried to do throughout my career. Very well. Okay, we're getting there now. If Kevin, it's your birthday tomorrow and a crystal ball arrives in the post, and it can tell you anything about the past, the present, or the future, what are you going to ask that crystal ball? Can Ireland win the World Cup? I like mm-hmm. it. Uh, what are we hoping it says? <laughs> <laughs> We're hoping it, it says, yeah, we can go further than we've ever gone before, and um, and hopefully we can, uh, we can get in the final, and then anything can happen. I like it. Perfect. Next one is, what's your first rugby memory? Um, I don't know whether I can actually say that on uh, live on, on, uh, <laughs> on the podcast. We can, um, we'll have to edit it a bit, will we? Yeah, we'll listen anyway. <laughs> well, uh, I think my, my my first was probably the initiation I had getting into to, to Bristol Colts. Um, so it was very much... Uh, sort of big thing back then that you'd probably never get away with it now with the, with the way the laws have changed and all of that but, um, <laughs> certainly the players uh, you know I had to go through the the, the general uh, initiation which was six shots of snuff up uh, each nostril which like nearly killed me by the way and, uh, <laughs> and then unfortunately I had to have my uh, my my genital region shaved of all its hair oh god oh god <laughs> sounds like a you can imagine shape. the next day when i woke up after a fair few fights i used to, to add that um it brought a whole new meaning to the word fireball <laughs> <laughs> nice one and uh and the last one for you kevin well, you've been through a lot. You've had a pretty long career in rugby now, and and still learning and evolving in it. What's what's next for rugby? What's the next big thing we're going to see in the next five or ten years, in your opinion? Um, it will be. Well, I think the the tackle is certainly an area that is um, sort of been uh, relevant in terms of the Junior World Cup now uh, in Argentina, in terms of the laws around that. Um, you know the interpretation of that is going to be huge now going into this in Japan now um, 
but I think the the whole breakdown area is probably the one that is probably going to be the the biggest concern, the, the the biggest area that needs to be kind of addressed. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that you know the impacts now of uh, the players like you know people like Sam Kane being cleared out of the breakdown and, and obviously he's come back from his neck injury, but yeah. you know he's gonna he's he's very much one of the the lucky ones. I mean, yeah. you know, to be sort of leaning over, poking the ball and and getting cleaned out by somebody who's like nineteen, twenty stone who's coming at you know. 11 seconds 100 meter speed you're gonna you're gonna be in trouble and um it's just that whole contact area maybe for me will probably need to be addressed in the near future yeah yeah sam kane geez he played well over the weekend having had a bone broken in his neck and he comes back and they just about beat the pumas it was quite a performance yeah i mean you know they're they just churn out incredible athletes don't they they are you know, just the, the game changers and, um, you know, the leading people right throughout the world in, in terms of their their qualities and the skills that they possess and uh, just just the, the, the qualities that they bring to their position. It's just incredible for all to see, you know. Absolutely. Kevin Maggs, thank you very much for coming on to speak to myself and Kiran today. We, we really enjoyed hearing all your stories. I think it's fair to say that I learned an awful lot from you, especially about how Bristol would have initiated you back in the day. That was the highlight of this interview for me. So, uh, yeah, you never, you never get away with it now, but, um, you know, yeah, but, you know, they're, they're all experiences that, you know, have, have sort of shaped me as a person and, and, and sort of shaped my career, really. Yeah, and you were, you were a wonderful player. I remember, I remember seeing you many times. So, wishing you all the best going forward. Stay fit, stay healthy, and, Let's hope Ireland bring home something big in a couple of months' time. Yeah, let's fingers crossed. All right, Cheers, thanks, Kevin. Thank you very much. Okay, thank thanks you. very much.